0: Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you for this people. Uh, When I'm away, I miss them, and I'm thankful to be back. I'm blessed uh, to be back this morning uh, to share the word of God. I pray that you would guide my words, uh, help me to move out of the way. I pray that we all, myself included, would feel uh, the conviction in our hearts, the encouragement in our hearts that we need to feel this morning that you desire for us. I pray that you would disciple us. Through your word this morning, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Psalm 67. Psalm 67, just to give some context, um, is a thanksgiving song or prayer uh, for the harvest. And so... uh, you can imagine the Israelites uh, gathering in all the things they had planted, and this is the prayer, or the song that they would sing or pray together as a congregation, uh, thanking God for what had grown that year. This, uh, this particular psalm starts with what they call the Aaronic Blessing, so it's from Numbers 6. You've, you hear that sometimes as a benediction at, at, at a church like ours, um, basically a, a prayer that God gave to Aaron, uh, the first priest of the God, uh, people of God, uh, and he would Use that as a a way to remind them of some things. And then it ends in verse six and seven um, with a thanks to the Lord for an abundant harvest. And I I think we got some things to learn, certainly from the beginning and the end of this psalm, but it's the stuff in between that I think really has a challenge for us. The stuff in between is going to help us understand um, that there is a purpose for our personal and collective blessings, there's a purpose for our personal and collective blessings or resources. And so as we look at the information presented to us in Psalm 67, I pray that that's where we will feel a challenge or an encouragement this morning. So let's jump right in, look at verse one. Here we have again the the congregation, the psalmist asking for a blessing. Verse one, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us uh, there's uh, really two passive lessons and I want to also use verse 1 as a discussion starter for us um, the first passive lesson that we can learn just from verse 1 is that the psalmist is asking for blessing he's asking for it he's saying Lord bless me bless us and so the first passive lesson for us this morning is it is okay to ask God for blessing it's okay it's good we should ask God for blessing. And so the discussion starter here comes on the tail end of that. We have to start asking ourselves, what do we think blessing is? And I think that in the Western world, we, we have a little bit of a skewed view of what blessing is. I think maybe in, in our lives at some point or another, blessing tends or trends towards the material side of things. We think of blessing as uh, money or stuff or or things, Uh, and that's not bad because the the definition of blessing includes those things, but we have to also include time as a blessing, experiences as a blessing, people, relationships as a blessing, stuff as well. And so uh, one uh, theologian uh, gave this definition for a generic definition of blessing. I think it's very helpful for our discussion. Uh, this person said this, blessings pertain to the favorable situations, conditions, and experiences enjoyed by the person or persons to whom the blessings belong. So really this, we're going to call it a partial definition of blessing, is blessings are things we enjoy. That's it. Blessings are things that we enjoy. Which takes us to the second passive lesson it's not overt but it's here and that is that blessing is impossible without god blessing is impossible without god again that's the point of the ironic blessing is to remind the people of god where blessings come from may god be gracious to us and bless us both of those things are synonymous and so Why do we have things that we enjoy? Because God enjoys us enjoying things, so he gives us things to enjoy. Think about this. That's God's grace in our life. If blessings are things that we enjoy and they come from God's grace, then God gives us things that we enjoy because he enjoys to do that. And so what should we do? We should thank him for all the good things we have. Why? Because they come from God's grace. If you earn them, they're wages. If you take it, it's loot. <laughs> and so, when we're given things that we enjoy and they are truly blessings, they are from God's grace. So, God's gifting is essential to the definition of being blessed. And so, we come to this definition of blessings that we're going to use today. Blessings are any gracious gift from God that we enjoy, it's very broad. It's kind of freeing to think of blessings as anything we enjoy that we know comes from God. And so we then move in this discussion on blessings to asking well, how are we blessed? How are we blessed? We are not an agricultural community. I mean, if we were all farmers, we may very well say, thank God for the harvest we have. The McCormicks are here. I know they thank God yearly for all the okra that grows in their garden, but that's not what, there's probably many other things besides okra that we are thankful for. So let's talk about this Western view of blessing. If we're gonna go just by material wealth, you've probably heard this before, comparatively, we are the wealthiest people in the world here in the West. We're wealthy. Now, we may feel the tightness of our finances when gas is $4 a gallon and hummus is twice as expensive as it was two years ago. You know, In fact, Mason fact-checked that for me because I don't know if it's actually, no, just kidding. I'll get our intern on fact-checking my hummus stats. Um, but listen, we're blessed in so many other ways. We are blessed in so many other ways. We Many of us have good friends that we enjoy. Many of us, uh, it could be as simple as you enjoy driving your car or you enjoy being in your house. Many of us enjoy our pets. We enjoy food. We enjoy vacation places. In fact, many of us enjoy our job. One of the things that happens to me when I'm away from grace, either I'm at Synod or I'm with the family on a trip, I realize I enjoy being your pastor. I enjoy it. It is hard at times, you all know that it is, but I love it. Being the pastor here brings joy to my heart, it's a blessing from God. It's not something I've earned, it's something God has given to me graciously. And so it's, I think appropriate at this point just to take a quiet moment, every single one of us take a quiet moment and and think about something you enjoy and how it has come from God and his grace. And it's also appropriate as we conjure up the idea of that thing we enjoy to say, thank you, Lord, for this thing, this blessing. Thank you, Lord. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take this discussion on blessings and bring it into the context of the psalm. And so... The psalm, again, it's a, it's a song or, or a prayer for the assembly of God's people. And so the psalmist isn't simply looking at individual blessings. He's looking at collective blessings. He's looking at the abundant harvest of the whole congregation. And so as we bring this idea of our personal blessings into this context of communal blessings, when we start piling up all the things that we together are blessed with, we can't help but rejoice in what God has given us. I've already mentioned it a couple times today. We have so many children here. We have so many, and think about this all the spills, all the noises, all the running, all the ding dong ditch we have to deal with, right? With our new neighbors. It's a blessing. Yes, it's hard at times, and yes, it's a challenge with little kids, but man, it is so much enjoyment just sitting up here with them, listening to their answers. We all enjoy that. It's a blessing. If you haven't looked around in a while, we have a beautiful building. I worshiped twice over vacation at two different churches who are in temporary spaces. Some of you remember what that's like. We have this beautiful, beautiful building together. We have the mortgage that goes with it, okay? That's a, what a blessing we can share with that. But listen, we have this building. We have, we're in this location where, where they're going to widen this road and they're building hundreds of houses. We're in a place where, where naturally the city is growing and here we are in the middle of it. We're growing in numbers as a church. That's a blessing. People are visiting and staying. They're joining our life groups. They're becoming our friends. You have a pastor from New England. What more could you want, right? (laughs) I could go on and on. But listen, as we pile up the things we have together, together, thank you, God, should be our response. We didn't do anything for them. God's given them graciously. So applying what we learned about personal blessing to these collective blessings, first of all, we should ask God to bless our church. We should. We should. It's good to ask God. Why? Because only God can give blessing. Only God. We can't earn it. There's no silver bullet. The church leadership world wants you to think, Pastor, if you just do this, this, and this, guess what? Blessings will come. It doesn't work that way. Blessings are only from the grace of God. I haven't done something to cause our church to be in such an, an enjoyable place. You haven't done something to put our church in such, an, in such an enjoyable place. God is doing something to bless grace. And so now we come, that's just verse one. You see how this is going to go 60 minutes. Um, we come to the what I call the nougaty center of Psalm 67. All right? We get to the part where The purpose of our blessing comes under the spotlight, comes under the microscope. The first word of verse 2 in the English Standard Version is that, that. The Hebrew word behind it is a word that means so that. It denotes movement toward something. Movement towards something. So, blessing... Asking for a blessing is good. It only comes from God, but it has a purpose. So the concept here that we're going to get to in a moment, the the basic version of it is this. Our lives, our church, are not meant to be a cul-de-sac of blessings. you understand that, what I'm saying, the the illustration here? It's not meant to gather blessings and leave them there. I was thinking about an an illustration that would kind of... uh, um, Explain this concept and I, my mind brought, uh, brought forward Pharaoh's tomb. Think about Pharaoh's tomb. Pharaoh was buried not just with gold and silver and all kinds of things. He was buried with his hobbies, his favorite foods, his favorite servants. Okay, this is jacked. It's jacked up. But think about how this means everything that he enjoyed in life was not meant for anyone else. In fact, they buried it all with him for what? Thieves to take away later. Or if you want to put it in a more of a blue-collar terms, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? Okay, that's kind of that idea. We don't take it with us. I apologize to anyone who speaks like that Um, and has never said that. I I was raised better than that. I'm not sure what's happening. Um, Listen, blessings enter our lives. Blessings enter our lives and they move us toward a goal. They're meant to move us toward a target. We're meant to do something with them. And what is it? The rest of verse 2. So may God be gracious to us and bless us to make his face shine upon us that your way be made known on earth. Your saving power among all the nations. We are given Blessing, so that God's way be made known in all the earth. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. You see, God blessed the Israelites in this particular harvest when they used it, when they wrote this psalm, and and why did he bless them? We know this from the from the covenant he made with Abraham to bless the nations. He blessed Israel to bless the nations so that his salvation might be made known. Now, that wasn't God's ultimate culmination of his plan, but guess what? The church is. And so God gives us what he gives us personally and collectively for a purpose. What is that purpose? That the people in this world know about God and his salvation. God has blessed his church to win the nations to Christ. God blesses so that people will know about God. Look at verses 3 through 5. Let the peoples praise you. This word peoples means everyone who's not an Israelite. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We can't separate that from the fact that there's a prayer for God to bless Israel, to bless his church, so that this thing can happen. part of the nature of being a child of God is we begin to understand that we do not have the right, nor is it good to hoard our blessings, to be a cul-de-sac of blessing. This is challenging. This is challenging to me. I imagine it's challenging to many of you. Why? Because many of us, all of us in some way or another, we need to break the cul-de-sac. We need to break it. Are we blessed? Can I get an amen? If you are, this sounds so health wealth. Are are we blessed? Amen. All right. Wave your $20 bills. Don't do that. Okay. Um, Listen, that's not what we're doing here. We're not doing that. Are we blessed? Yes. In some way or another, we are blessed. Enjoying blessings is not bad. That's not the point of this passage. You better not enjoy it. No, God enjoys us enjoying his blessings. So what's the point? I was drawn to another illustration. I don't know if you all, if you're around my age, you probably watched DuckTales, and Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales had this tower of gold that he would go and once a day swim around in. He would like do the backstroke in it. He'd fill his mouth with coins and spit them out. First of all, gross, you don't know where those coins have been. Um, but we, this is comical to us because what? This is such an unhealthy image of hoarding gold. It doesn't, it, it, it's not natural. It's not good to do that. And so as individuals, not just money, but any blessing we have, if we were to hoard it like Scrooge McDuck, we would know that's not healthy. The same goes for us as a church because the question is, are we keeping our blessings for our own comfort? Ooh, yummy, comfortable, comfortable, right? Are we keeping our blessings for ourselves to make our lives easier, to make our lives better, to make our lives more squishy and comfortable? Or are we allowing our blessings that we recognize come from God to lead us forward on his mission? Our lives Our church should not be a cul de sac of blessings. Our homes, our cars, our kids, our jobs, our money, our time, our talent should be used to reach the nations. To reach the nations, so that your way may be made known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Our building, church, should be used to reach the nations. Not to just collect a, a gathering of people we like and make it comfy. It should be used to reach the nations. Here's a concrete example. It would be wonderful to have Katie Schuler with us every week. Ed gives me an amen to that. She's a blessing to us. She's a friend of ours. But where is she? She's in Japan sharing the gospel. We had a blessing with us and we sent it out to reach the nations. Now, we have the blessing of going to meet her and greet her next summer. But certainly, at some level, we'd rather have her here, but she's not. Why? Because she wants the nations to sing God's praise. And so do we. So we don't hold her back, we send her. And so, what is essential to the mission? It's receiving from God understanding that he enjoys us enjoying things. Part of the mission, this should be freeing, is to enjoy what God gives us. Part of the mission also is giving away and going out with those things. If it's not clear, blessings are not given to us to make our lives more comfortable. We are not given what we've been given here at Grace to be more comfortable. We are given graciously by God that the nations might hear the gospel. And so growing as a church, that's wonderful. It's not an end in in, in and of itself. What I see here, when I look at the growth we have, the people we have, the people who are coming, I get excited because I see God building a team, collecting resources, collecting blessings, not just so we feel like, oh, what a great place to come on Sunday, but so we can reach this city for Jesus Christ. Every face in this congregation right now is here. Whether you've been here from the launch team or you've only been here a couple months, you're here because God has brought you here to be a blessing, to enjoy this place, and to go see people come to know Jesus. That's why. So think about what we've been blessed with, with the people, with the personalities, with the minds that we have the children, the money, the time, the talent, God has seen fit to gather all that in one place, not because we're awesome, because He's gracious to bless us. So that the lost in our city might know Jesus. That's why. So, grace, make no mistake, we are blessed. We are being blessed. We have been blessed. I have no reason to doubt that God will continue to bless us. But what is it? What is the blessing about? It is God graciously giving us the resources, the blessings we need to reach the lost. That's it. Now, this can be nerve-wracking, all right, especially if you talk about, okay, I like my lifestyle. That's the whole point of being comfortable, right? We we like being comfortable. Well, how do I start breaking through the cul-de-sac? How do I start sharing my blessings in order to to see the kingdom grow or to see the gospel go out? Verses 6 and 7, give us a prayer that we can pray. Again, 6 and 7, a thankfulness prayer. The earth has yielded its increase. So first, Lord, thank you for what you've given me. We don't begrudge what God's given us. It's not ours because we've earned it, remember? God's given it to us graciously. So, Lord, thank you for all that you've given me. And then what does it say? God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And the next part of our prayer should be, Lord, let all the ends of the earth fear Jesus. And how can I be a part of that? Jesus kind of talks about this and I won't go through the whole parable. It's a strange parable. In this parable, everybody's a bad guy. And so we tend to think that like one person in the parable is God, and, and but like everybody in this parable is a bad guy, and it's about this, this uh, dishonest manager. And the point of the whole parable is this: if the world can use money to make friends, we too should use our resources to make friends so that they end up in heaven with us. That's the whole point of the parable. How can we use our abundance to make friends and share Jesus with them? And so what should we do? We should first survey what God has graciously graciously given to us, the relationships in our lives, the skills that we have, the hobbies we participate in, the money that we we have that might be extra, as long as you're not spending it all on hummus, right? I mean, that's a given. (laughs) Um, And then... We thank God for those things and we ask, how can I use these things to reach people for the gospel? And then, church, as we come together and we think about uh, uh, our collective blessings, how can we take those things that we have gathered together, that God has gathered here as a church, and how can we use those things that God has resourced us with to be a gospel light in this community? That's why we were planted here 10 years ago, to reach this part of the city, not to just be an extension of comforts from our mother church. No, we're here to reach people with the gospel. How can we pool our resources to send out the message of the saving power of Jesus Christ? Now that can be tricky because sometimes we have to give away things we like. Sometimes we have to give away money or, or people, that's hard. It's hard to give away people who are skilled and we love them and they're our friends but they're called to go do something someplace else. It's our responsibility as a church to to encourage that, to enable that as hard as it may be. Now we would be remiss this morning if we did not recognize our greatest blessing. Thinking about the definition of blessing, things that God graciously gives us for us to enjoy. See, God gave us something to enjoy, a relationship to enjoy. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus Christ, our Savior, is a blessing, not just in the way that, like, oh, He saved me from my sin, but no, that's something that God enjoys us enjoying, our relationship with Jesus. And so the, the Lord's Supper is a reminder of this gospel light. This gospel truth. It's been uh, convicting to me recently, mostly through our summer school class, just thinking about the idea that God didn't give us saving data. God didn't give us, if God maybe were a reformed Presbyterian, he would have sent a spreadsheet instead of Jesus. Here's a book. All right, here we go. Here's all the data you need. He sent a person to know and to relate to. He gave us a personal relationship, and that person, Jesus, reminds us that we have a fatal problem, our sin. Living the way we want to live is a fatal problem. And then we have this person that that grabs us by the hand and leads us to the life that he lived, the death that he died, the resurrection that he was granted, and he leads us by the hand to salvation from sin through relationship And this morning as we participate and eat the bread and drink the wine or the juice, Jesus is sitting with us at the table enjoying our company. He's enjoying us. How could we not enjoy him in return? In fact, I was thinking about this prospect as well. Jesus sitting at the table enjoying sinners (laughs) is what made the Pharisees probably the most mad. He sat People that didn't deserve to be sat with. Guess what? We don't deserve to be sat with, but he sits here and he reminds us of just what he's done. He broke his body, he shed his blood, he came back from the grave. And so this morning, if you believe that through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and in his return, that Jesus is your true friend. If you believe that God sent Jesus in order to save us from our sin, and that's the only way we can have that, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized, you've made that profession, you are welcome to come and eat this morning. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus that way, it's not a relationship. Maybe it's a data point if you don't think of him as your only true friend, your only savior, the scriptures make it clear. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's unwise to come and participate. But I would ask you, don't leave it at that. If a friendship with Jesus Christ sounds intriguing in any way, please talk to me, talk to one of our elders. Before you leave today, let's make a lunch or coffee appointment. There's no more important topic than having a friendship with Jesus. And so let's take a moment, let's pray quietly to ourselves. I'll gather us back in in just a moment with a prayer of blessing over the bread and the juice.